welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. I was scheduled to begin a series on health, but I sense the Lord wanting to unpack something different for the next couple weeks and focus in on spiritual maturity. As we were beginning our church plant in South Africa these last couple weeks, we're going to be launching a team out in May and had the opportunity to be with uh, them for 16 days. God was just highlighting some different aspects that I, I want to, to make note of. Uh, before we do that, been a little heavier morning, and so I want to give you a couple jokes on maturity. <laughs> That's great. You can say jokes and people laugh already. That's <laughs> jokes. Um, scientific research has just discovered that women who struggle with their weight live longer than their husbands who comment about it. That's hilarious. (laughs) A woman shared, my nine-year-old daughter walked in while I was getting ready for work. What are you doing? She asked. Putting on my wrinkle cream, I answered. Oh, she said, I thought the wrinkles were natural. (laughs) Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Uh, Today, my sermon is entitled, Beware of the Yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Matthew 16, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that what he was telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread He was was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This morning, I want to talk about the religious or man-made mindset of the Pharisees in regards to spiritual maturity, because we are often likely to walk into these traps or this type of mindset. So I want to give you the the three-pronged or the three-legged stool construct that the Pharisees could falsely make their spiritual maturity out of. And I want to ask the question, are we falling prey to any of these schemes or any of these lies? Because God has a completely different paradigm for us to adhere to, to grow in spiritual maturity. So here's the first one. The first leg is intellectual knowledge. 
intellectual knowledge. And, and here's the lie. The more head knowledge I have, the more mature I am. So you see the, the three-legged stool, the first leg would be intellectual knowledge. Let me just ask you, do you buy into this lie? The more head knowledge I have concerning religious things, concerning the Bible, the more mature, the more spiritually mature I am. Uh, I remember being a, a young man and really wanting to grow in my relationship with God. And so I started buying big theology books. There's nothing wrong with that. But there was this weird kind of pride and satisfaction I had the bigger and thicker the book was. <laughs> Have you ever had that? Like you actually, it's so funny, we can get prideful about the silliest thing, right? And so I would like walk around with this Wayne Grudem uh, uh, systematic theology book and I was like, what's up, you know, like, <laughs> what are you reading, you know, you know, oh, John Grisham, oh yeah, look at this, you know, <laughs> whoa, you know, my, my book is bigger than yours. Uh, we, we can get prideful about the, the, the silliest things and, and you know, I've, I've actually met people through the years, who, who would complain and say, you know, I, I just don't think we, we do enough intellectual study or enough academic study. I, I, I want to go to a, to a place that, that's like that. And the, and the lie is, if I just hear enough intellectually stimulating sermons, then I'm spiritually mature. And now listen to me, I'm not saying don't listen to sermons. I, I, I listen to a lot of sermons, but I don't put my stake, I don't believe that that is building my maturity. I'm listening to those sermons to fuel the flame of love in my heart. Because oftentimes the reason we want to flood our mind with head knowledge is because we have insecurity in our heart. Did you hear that? Many times we're trying to cram into our mind to make up for the emptiness we feel in our heart. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. Jesus responded to them in this way. He said in John 5.39, you study the scripture diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So I'll meet people who actually, they, they do all these kind of studies and, and they're doing all these kind of, you know, the, the, the next the next word study, the next this, the next that, and yet they don't have a daily devotional, personal friendship with God. And they don't share the gospel just consistently. And they don't even make one disciple. And let me ask you, is that spiritually mature? And then I travel throughout the world and I meet very simple believers in different countries who might not even have a college education, who might not have a, a good theological training, and yet I see them living like Jesus. And the glory of the Lord is, is shining through them, and they transform the people around them. And yet they, they are very simple people, but they meet with God and are being transformed by Him. So I, I just want to ask today, are, are, are you believing the lie that if I just accumulate a lot of head knowledge, that's what makes me spiritually mature? Okay, here's, here's construct number two. Construct number two. Religious rituals and good deeds. The more religious deeds I perform, the more spiritual I am. This is what Matthew 23 says. Woe to you teachers of the law, this is Jesus speaking, 
and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and selfish indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then outside also will be clean. I I, I distinctly remember as a young man uh, struggling with sin and falling into some sin, and then I thought okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and buy a cross necklace, and that's going to make me feel better. So I remember walking into sin and, and feeling horrible and then be like, no, God, I'm going to show my commitment to you. And I put on a cross necklace. Have you ever done something like that? You know, I just thought, okay, you know, how do I feel better about myself? I'm just, you know, I'm going to do the sign of the cross. And I'm not even Catholic, but I'm going to do it, you know. And um, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know what to do. I'm going to put a Christian bumper sticker on my car. Right, that, that makes me Christian. You know, now I can't speed anymore. Guys, I got smoked this morning by this car, and it had an NOTW, not of this world sticker. I was like, yeah, you're driving not of this world. Uh, <laughs> I repent if that was you. Because uh, <laughs> I judged you. Oh, no, okay. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh, that's funny. Um, you know, here's another thing. I, I, I love to be self-effacing and telling you, tell you the stupid things I've done. Um, wanting to, to be spiritual uh, as a college student. And so what I would do is I would go, okay, how many people can I bring to church? And I'd line them up in the pew next to me and be like, yeah, what's up? Like, look at that. And I actually remember, I'd look over because my, my best friend was doing this too, and I'd count and go like, how many does he have? Now I have more. Yes! I, I am growing in spiritual maturity. Is that spiritual maturity? No, that's sick. Right, But uh, what I'm not saying is that we don't do things out of obedience to God. What I'm not saying is that we don't honor God. I'm not saying, well, then I'm not going to do anything to honor God because I I, I just want to to be authentic. No, we hear God's voice and we obey, but we don't become spiritually immature by amassing a lot of good deeds to earn God's favor. Or, or we're not spiritually mature because we look very religious on the outside. Because I have more crosses on than you. Because my whole bumper is full of Christian bumper stickers. Right? Because I, I wear more Christian t-shirts than you. Right? That, that is not how we grow in spiritual maturity. Number three. Construct number three is this one. First Timothy 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love and comes from a pure heart and good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. The, the third leg of, of false maturity mindset is I have these revelation, this revelation of mysteries and hidden truth. Have you ever been tempted to get into that or have you ever seen Christians that, that get into that? You know, it's, it's all about the latest end time revelation. 
You know, and there's always a new trend. I remember a few years ago, it was all the stuff about the red heifer in the end times. Okay, it was like, man, have you studied the red heifer, right? Have you studied the blood moons, right? And, and I'm not saying it's wrong to look into those things, but it's wrong when we start going like, I know about blood moons and red heifers, I'm more mature than you, right? There, there, there's... The speculations, there's, man, do, if, if I know everything about end-time theology, then I'm spiritually mature. If I study these genealogies, if I know all about, and often they're periphery topics compared to Christ and the church. Anytime the gospel no longer fascinates us, anytime the intimacy with Jesus is not enough, we know something's wrong. Right? We, we, we never move past friendship with Jesus, knowing him and making him known, right? So we, we've got to look at this context uh, of where this whole discussion of the yeast of the Pharisees started. You know, they, they get in the boat, and they're freaking out. They're talking among each other because they don't have bread, and then Jesus says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. What had happened right before that? I think you're going to find this fascinating. It's uh, the feeding of the 4,000. So Matthew 15, 29 through 38, we'll put that up on the screen. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind singing, and they praised the God of Israel. So there is an outpouring of the power of God. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. So Jesus is showing love. Jesus is meeting the people where they're at. He's taking their problem on as his own. His disciples answered him, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? That's always our first response as believers, isn't it? Jesus is saying, like, I have compassion. Let's step into the problem. And we're like, God, what can I do? Like, I'm just a little fella, right? I don't have enough. And so Jesus speaks to him. How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they, in turn, uh, they in turn, to the people, they all ate and were satisfied. After the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, the number of those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. So this is thousands and thousands of people that, that just ate. You got, you got to catch this, right? Jesus is showing what I'm about. I'm about loving people. Like, if you want to know what I'm about, if you want to know about spiritual maturity, it's about love. If you want to know about spiritual maturity, it's about the power of God flowing through and meeting needs. If you want to know about spiritual maturity, it's you, my disciples, stepping into people's problems. Okay, so why does he then go on and say, beware the yeast of the Pharisees? We don't talk a lot about yeast these days. Okay, so, so what is yeast? Glad you asked. I uh, wrote down a definition. Uh, here is yeast. It's a microscopic fungus consisting of single oval cells that reproduce by budding and are capable of converting sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide. Some of you never want to eat bread again. So, so how, does, how does yeast 
work. It, 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 it metabolizes the, these uh, simple sugars and exudes this liquid that releases carbon dioxide and, and bubbles up the bread. And so it starts rising, right? That's what, what yeast is. And you don't need a ton of yeast. Like you don't put a cup of yeast in the bread because that would just blow up the bread, right? So you just need a little pinch of yeast. And even a pinch makes things get puffed up. Selah, think about that. Puffed up, right? The yeast of the Pharisees is, is, is things that make us puffed up, things that make us swell. And anytime we start thinking, you know, I'm mature because of my intellectual knowledge. I'm mature because of all the religious deeds I do and the way I look so, so religious, however that looks to you, or all the, all, all the, the mysteries and the revelation I figured out, what does that do? That actually makes us the opposite of Jesus. We all start walking around, and you're like, what's up? I'm religious Robert, you know? Right? I'm a spiritual Sammy, you know? I, I, right? I'm heavenly Hannah. I'll keep going. Uh, and Jesus said, no, beware. Beware of those things. So, so, so what is our response? What, what is the rightful response? Um, it's quite different. Let, let me address the, the, the converse of intellectual knowledge. And I'm not saying us as believers, we check our brains out at the, at the door. The Bible says study to show thyself approved. So we do study. You, you guys know me. I, I like to study the Greek. I, was, I studied a lot of, of Greek. But if I start putting my maturity into that, it makes me puffed up because it's a man-made construct. So intellectual maturity, oftentimes the people with the most head knowledge are the ones that do the least in the kingdom because if they haven't figured it out or if it doesn't make sense to them, they won't do it. Let me just give you an example, uh, just a little report from our trip to South Africa. Uh, there was a whole group of us that went. We go on the 11-hour flight just to London, so South Africa has two 11-hour flights. It's a total beating. Uh, we, we get to London, and we're, we're going through with our large team, and the Herber family and the Valdez family are there, and we get to the counter to transfer to South Africa, and they say, um, okay, we need your passports and the children's birth certificates. And we said, what? No, we have the passports. We don't have birth certificates. They said, you're not going to South Africa. We're like, wait, wait, wait a second. Well, our flight's in four hours. And they said, sorry, uh, the, the laws have changed. You have to have birth certificates. We said, what are you talking about? Our travel agent didn't tell us. The airline didn't tell us. They said, then you're not going. And, and I tried to argue, well, this is your fault. They said, no, it's not. Uh, that always works, right? Um, so I said, well, you know, we start just praying. And I'm like, okay, can you at least call your manager? Their manager comes up, tells us the exact same thing. Now, you're told a fact. You don't have this. You don't have a birth certificate. You're not going. Right? If we always just believe our head knowledge, I want to tell you a lot of times you're not going to do the things that God's calling you to. So we start praying and we're like, God, you called us to South Africa. God, you just provided thousands of dollars that we didn't have to get there. God, certainly we're going to South Africa. And so we get the team praying and we just, you know, I've been in enough impossible situations to go, like, there's always a way with God. So we just start throwing out all kinds of crazy solutions, you know, to the manager. And they're like, nope, 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 nope. 
And finally, we have this thought, okay, what if we have a copy, a digital copy of the birth certificate that we print out, and they're like, that's not going to work, and we notarize it. They were like, hold on, let's check on that. That will work. No way. You just told me no, but now you're telling me yes. So I said, okay, where's a notary? They said, there's not one in the airport. Okay. And you know, if you've ever been to London, the airport's way away from the city. And, and, and so amazingly, we find a notary who says, you can come to my house. A man from India who's a notary in, in England who says, you can come to my house. We're like, well, that's a little shady, but that's what we have to work with. <clears throat> So the problem is we can't get out of the airport. We're in the wrong terminal. You know, you have to, you have to switch and go to baggage claim and get out of the terminal. And going through customs is going to take forever. There's no way we're going to make it out and back in. So we're praying. And Austin, Shaiwi, uh, 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 one of the leaders on the team, is walking, going, God, help us. And he looks in front of him, the person in front of him, and it's a woman in an airport outfit with an Africa tattoo on her neck. Like on the back of her neck. He's like, well, that's an interesting sign. He goes, excuse me, woman. We are, uh, we are trying to get to, to, to Africa, to South Africa. We're being told we can't go because we don't have birth certificates. She goes, oh, I know all about that. I can help you. So she comes back, comes to our families, and says, follow me. So we are following the woman with the Africa tattoo on her neck. And she pulls out a key, and she goes, follow me. And she starts going up to secret doors in the airport. This is a true story. <laughs> the woman with the Africa tattoo says, follow me. She opens one door, gets us in. She goes, now stand, stand right here. She seals off the door. We're like in a sealed off room. Then she, she, then she unseals the next door, and we go through. And all of a sudden, like, we wind through all these, like, passageways, and we're standing in front of customs by ourselves, like us and a customs official. And she's like, they're with me. Like, what in the world? <laughs> and so we get through London Customs like that. They're like, oh, okay. And then she goes, okay, I've called. I've, you know, you're going to pay a fortune if you try to get your own taxis. It's never going to work. I've called and arranged transportation for you. By now, I'm going, this is an angel. This is like an Africa tattooed angel. <laughs> uh, she gets us through, gets us these special kinds of taxis. We go, and next thing I know, we're sitting in this Indian man's home, and, and, and then we're realizing, he's like, okay, so give me, the, give me the passports, and I'll make copies. And I'm like, oh, you misunderstood. We don't have the passports. Like, we need to just show you, like, a, a, a picture of the passports. He's like, you want me to, to notarize a picture of a birth certificate? Sorry, it wasn't a passport. A, birth, a picture of a birth certificate. We said, yes. He goes, okay, I can do that. So then he prepares like the most beautiful like cover sheet with like this, he pulls out this red glob and like puts this beautiful seal on it, writes it with gold, and he puts these like gold things in it and hands it to us. And I'm reading it and it's like, I notarize that this is a copy of a digital copy going, this is never going to work. But it's beautiful. Like th th this is like a piece of art that he's constructed. We get back, we make it back on time, we go right through, hand it to, to British Air, they go, we're going to let you on. I'm like, this is amazing. And then we talk to a, a person from South Africa that's talked to the border control of South Africa, and they said, we're not going to let you in. So British Air is going to let us on, but they're saying at the border, they're, they're not going to let us in. Someone has called the border. And so what do you do? Well, we get together and pray. 
I love Tiffany Valdez. She goes, I've read stories of Corey Ten Boom where she would walk through borders and they wouldn't even see her. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's what I was thinking because I'm your pastor. <laughs> we pray. We wait on the Lord. God speaks to my heart. You're going to fly right through. So what do you do? Do you believe the facts or do you believe the word of the Lord and that he's called you? So we get on the plane. British Air lets us on the plane, but I have 11 hours that I have a chance to think about not getting in. And, and I talked to a stewardess, and she goes, oh, yeah, my friend tried this last week. And she got sent back after 11-hour flight. They put her on the next one back home. <gasps> but you know what? We had to choose to say, I'm not going to believe just the head knowledge I'm going to believe the word of the Lord. He told me we're going to fly right through. He has called me. He's already worked out miracles. I got to believe this. We get up to the customs official. He just kind of glances at him. By then, he wasn't even looking at the papers. I have so many kids that he just got tired, you know? <laughs> and he goes, thank you. Welcome to South Africa. We fly right through. Um. Uh, apply this to your life, because you're probably not getting on a plane to South Africa with your kids without birth certificates right after the service. What is God speaking to you that doesn't make sense? Don't agree and eat on the yeast of the Pharisees that says, I've got to have the head knowledge. It's got to make sense. If I just know more, then I'm a mature Christian. No, oftentimes God calls us to do things that are counterintuitive. God says, I want you to share at your work. And you're like, man, don't you know the HR rules? I could get fired. And God's saying, no, you've got to share with this person. Then you share with that person, and you had no idea the pain they were in, and they get saved. It didn't make sense. Now, you need to take this job. Well, that doesn't make sense because that job's less money than this other job. But it's the word of the Lord, right? Well, you need to end this immoral relationship you're in. Well, if I end that, that person's going to hate me. My life's going to be horrible. My finances are going to fall apart. And God's saying, no, it, 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 it's not about you figuring it out. That's the yeast of the Pharisees. It's about following my voice and trusting in me. Jesus, instead of saying, yeah, you got to figure it all out. He says, no, you need to become like a child. I don't know about you, but, but my children, they don't have it all figured out. But I'll tell you what they have. They have trust in their dad. My, my kids trust me. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, they trust me too much. Right? I mean, as little kids, my sons would be up on a high thing and be like, daddy, and jump. And I'm like, wait, tell me first. Ah! You know, and he says, you've got to become like one of these little ones. What is true spiritual maturity? It's trusting and obeying. True spiritual maturity is trusting and obeying. How about the, the, the thought, you know, I'm spiritually mature if I just do enough rituals and, 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 and do enough good deeds and, and you know, I, I, I garner my favor. I, if I do enough good things for God, then certainly he's going to have favor on me. That, that's a pharisaical mindset. Where Jesus was introducing the topic, the thought of sonship said, no, I, I no longer call you slaves. Slaves are like, I have to get a good standing by doing good and doing good, and then I, and then I earn favor. 
and sons have an inheritance because of who they belong to. I have a friend that his father's a congressman, and he tells the story of going into Washington, D.C., and all these doors opening for him, and getting to go, like, without even asking on these, like, special uh, tours and being in meetings that he had no business belonging in, and he said it was totally humbling because I'm just a, 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 an assistant football coach from Round Rock, Texas, but because my dad is a congressman, all kinds of favor came on me. Is that how you see yourself as a child of God? And we went, we went into South Africa, and, and we, we go God's given us this idea of doing the sports camp, so we go into the, the township and we go into the government office. I don't have an appointment, but we go into the government office and I give them a flyer and say, we would like permission to use your, your sports field, to use your buildings to do our, our sports and drama camp. And they're like, thank you. We would love for you to do it. You have to talk to the sports authority too. We go to the sports authority. They go, that sounds wonderful, but we need to give you official paperwork. Like, can you imagine a group from a different country comes up and shows up in the, 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 the mayor to La Mesa and says, we would like to have your fields and your buildings for free. And he's like, oh, so glad you're here. I don't know you, but sure. Why, why do these things happen? They don't make sense. It's because we walk in favor as children of God. I remember being in, in Beirut, Lebanon, having no connections, and the next thing I know, I'm at the president of the university's special dinner, and we're sitting with ambassadors. I was a college pastor. Like, I had nothing to get me there. My dad is witnessing to the, to the ambassador to Saudi Arabia. Why? Because we're children of God that have favor on our lives, and it opens doors that should not be open. I remember going and, and being at the home of the, of the daughter of the president of Uganda and sitting there and then getting to prophesy over the first lady and the president. Yeah, I'm walking on the, the grass, on the lawn, with the first lady of Uganda. And I'm like, how did I get here? It's because the favor of God, because we're children of God. Right? There was no reason. Can I just tell you that God's favor is on you because you're a child? And it's time to stop going like nothing good happens to me. No, you start walking in your identity as a son or a daughter and start stepping out in the things he calls and his favor comes behind you and opens doors. The Bible is full of that. It's not about your good deeds. It's not about your ritual acts. It's about who you belong to. That's spiritual maturity. Knowing your identity in Christ. That is spiritual maturity. Do you walk in your identity? Do you receive your identity and walk in it and let your heart be filled with that? Lastly, it's not about the, the, the revelation of hidden mysteries. It's not like if I, if I just figure out something, and if I, if I move past Christ crucified, resurrected, and returning, and, and maybe get into some of the, the nuances of the Bible, then I'll be a mature believer, and that's what we think. No, it's about living out the life of Jesus. That's why we have this very simple vision statement. Get rocked, get real, give it away. 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, if, if you're a parent, you can ask your children, what's the vision of the church? I mean, I've seen it with children that have been twice, and they're like, get right, get real, give it away. Jesus said, unless you become like one of these, you can't inherit the kingdom. Uh, why is it so simple? Uh, it, I, I was talking to, to a friend that was on this trip with me, Brian Peterson, and, and, and he's seen God do some great things in the body of Christ. But he said, Robert, what I'm struck with is this. I always believed that it was a certain, uh, you know, in, in my former church life, it was like there was a certain type of person who was that special chosen one, and they saw God move. He goes, what I'm seeing is that we just teach a simple model of FaceTime, like daily meeting with God, like anyone can do it, not spiritual giants. Like Jesus taught this simple model of prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gave a simple model of prayer. We, we do the simple way of sharing the gospel. We draw out the bridge diagram. Here's man, he's dirty because of sin. Here's God. He's perfect. We're separated. Here's a bridge. It's the cross, and it works. And people continually come to Christ. And then he goes, and then we do the simple model of discipleship where we just meet with someone one-on-one, not like this expert with this young little Padawan, but just normal people meeting together, and people's lives get changed. And then we do this simple model of life group, and, and, and it's making it where anyone can reproduce church. I, I, I loved watching this. You know, get rock, get real. It, it, it's, it's, spiritual maturity is not about you looking like you have it all together. It's about you actually acknowledging that you don't. We, we were sitting at a table in South Africa, and this woman comes up to us, and I said, hey, uh, her name was Lianca. I said, Lianca, we'd love to pray for you. How can we pray for you? She's like, oh, that's, that's so cool. I, I've really been trying to do all these religious things and like trying to, you know, like trying to pray and I, I, I want to go to church and I want to do these things and I've, I've really been trying to be more religious. And we said, hey, actually, it's not about religion. It's about being real and needing God. She comes back around and she says this. She goes, okay, um, you know this, this smile on my face? It's actually not real. It's fake. I'm bipolar. I'm really hurting. And I love that Austin goes, hey, I'd like to share my story with you. And he says, I, I was dealing with depression. It was bad. I, I was hurting. it." And he starts talking about how he met Jesus. And, and he draws out the bridge diagram for and shows how she could actually have a friendship with Jesus. And we were explaining to her, it's not about you having it perfect. It's not about you having a bunch of head knowledge. It's not about you doing a bunch of good deeds and being religious. It's about you realizing you need a Savior. Do you want that? She's like, oh, I totally want that. She goes, in fact, I, I, I prayed last night. I cried out to God and said, you've got to do something. And I said, we're your answer. <laughs> we prayed with her, and immediately she goes, I feel a weight is gone. I feel clean. I feel joy for the first time. Brittany, Austin's wife, met with her the next day. She goes, I woke up feeling hope for the first time. Two days later, she goes, yeah, my friend showed up with tons of beer for us to just drink through the night. She goes, and I didn't want to do it. I told him, that's not what I want to do tonight. Like her life was changing. Why? Because it's not about being religious. It's about get rocked. Get real. Like, be real. That's true spiritual maturity. 
And then it's so great that then she goes on to say, I've been thinking about my friends who I could share that with. When you really get rocked and you're real, you want to give it away. Get rocked, get real, give it away. And these simple things, you just live out the simple truths of I'm in love with Jesus and I'm in love with people and I want to make him known and I just can't wait to be with him again and I can't wait to share about him in just a simple way. And that is when you actually start growing in spiritual maturity. The end. Stand up. I want to give you a chance really quickly. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want to introduce you to my best friend this morning. He loves you. He's been waiting for you to come to him. If everyone would close their eyes, if you need to give your life to Jesus, it's not, you're not going to be good enough. You're not going to be smart enough. It's, he came, died on the cross to pay for your sins that you can't pay for, to give you a new life that you could never earn. If you want to give him your life right now, I encourage you to just pray this simple prayer with me right now with all your heart. Just say, Jesus. I invite you to come into my life to forgive my sins to fill me with your Holy Spirit I turn from my old life and I'll follow you forever thank you for new life and if everyone just keep their eyes closed, if you're praying that prayer this morning, I want to pray for you right now. I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. If you're praying that prayer and saying, I'm making Jesus my Lord. I don't know about yesterday, but today I'm accept accepting him as my Lord and Savior. I'm excited to walk with him. Just with everyone's eyes closed, would you just put up your hand so I can know who I'm praying for right now? Awesome. Who else? Just raise your hand boldly. Raise it high so I can see if that's you this morning. Awesome. Who else? Just make sure I see you. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? Just going to take one more second. Lord, these ones that have their hands up, I thank you that as far as the east is from the west, that's far, how far you've removed their transgressions from them. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of new life. We celebrate that new life. Prayer team leaders, come forward right now.